You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network, powered by Interstate Batteries. From your truck to your trail camera, Interstate Batteries has you covered. Visit your local Interstate Battery store today or online at interstatebatteries.com. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable. Welcome to the Southern Ground Hunting Podcast. My name is Parker McDonald, and this is episode number nine. Today, we're talking with the founder of Go Wild, Brad Luttrell. I think you're really going to enjoy this show. We're recording. Blake. What's going on, man? Not much, dude. Good to be back. It is really good to be in the chair with you in the cockpit. <laughs> I don't really like that one. Let's not call it that. No. <laughs> Surely we can find something we, else. Sure. Have you ever thought about like who came up with that? Uh, no, I haven't. I've never thought about it until just now. And so we could go into a full podcast episode about why that's a ridiculous name, but <laughs> we we're could. not going to do that. No. Oh man, dude, it's really it's really good to have you back, though. Hey, man. it's good to be back, man. It feels good sitting in front of this mic. So I'm gonna do something real quick. Yeah. Can I? Dude, yeah, you I, can. I want to give a backstory. So my dad has always said when he listens to the podcast or really with anything that I do, he's my dad, so he's a little bit biased. You know, he's seen me right uh, grow up and things like that. <laughs> One of the things that I've always done is I've always sang and. When I was a teenager, I learned to play guitar, and so I put those two things together. And uh, if you listen to the this show from the episode one, you probably know that I am a worship leader at a church. And um, but one of the things my dad has always said is, "This podcast just ain't ever gonna take off until you start singing on it." Dude, I remember, I, your dad said that in front of me <laughs> one time, and I completely agree with him. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you know, he's a parent, and he's he's just. Um, proud of his boy. Hey, but he's a smart guy. I'm, I'm right there with him. I man. love my dad. And uh, spoiler alert, some people are going to get to hear from our dads pretty soon. Oh, yeah. Get ready for that, that one. That was a good one. Yes, that was a good was. one. And uh, they're going to get to hear from that. Um, today, we have Brad Luttrell from the Go Wild app is going to be talking with us. But first, I wanted to do something special for you, Blake, just because you're back. You don't know how excited I am. And uh, if you'll bear with me for a second, <laughs> let me get my guitar. I'm going to sing you a song that I wrote <laughs> just for you. I can't, dude, I, I'm so excited. Oh, yeah. This That's is good. weird. Like, I've never played guitar and sang on the podcast before. <laughs> Am I making you nervous? You're making me a little bit nervous. <laughs> What's really making me feel weird right now is that I'm about to sing you a song as if there are people listening, but there's actually nobody in here right now, and these people won't hear this for a week. It's just me and you sitting it's here. It's just us sitting here. <laughs> That's uh, all right, So man. I'm going to act like there's actually an audience sitting here with us. Um, but I wrote you this little song, Blake. Oops, that mic. <laughs> Let's see. Hey, Blake. It's really been a while Hey, Blake Oh, I've really missed that smile Hey, Blake I hope that baby's doing fine Hey, Blake You are one of a kind So welcome back 
It just hasn't been the same without your southern swing. Oh, welcome back. Southern ground has really missed you. So welcome back. <laughs> Good job, man. That was beautiful. Hey, I wrote it in like 10 minutes. I, you so, had, I don't know. That might have taken a while. Um, that, that, that was good, man. Thanks, dude. I was trying to decide if I wanted that to be a really serious song and be like basically what I did, where I write a song and try to sing it from the heart. But then I also had this idea that kept coming over me like, you should just take the song Hello by Adele <laughs> and change it to like, hello, it's me. I was wondering if you even remembered me or something like that. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. I, and, which could almost come across as super serious, too. Yeah, or super gay. Super weird, yeah. yeah. I, if, if that was the thing that. I was most concerned about with all of this was, is this going to come across super gay? <laughs> and it probably right. still did. No, don't worry. Nobody could see you wiping the tears out of your eyes after you sang it. <laughs> Nobody could see me, like, rubbing the picture of you I have on the wall. <laughs> yeah, that's weird. <laughs> but, hey, I won't tell anybody. So. Yeah, don't tell anybody about that. But, uh, man, I'm, I am really honestly super glad to have you back. I know everybody else here... Uh, is really excited to hear you, hear your southern twang again. You kind of break, put the southern in southern ground. Yeah, man. And uh, have some. Yeah, yeah, man. Y'all like that? Yeah, man. <laughs> um, some people in the south, it really gets on your nerves to hear them talk. But you're one of those that it's like you wouldn't be the same without that twang. Yeah, I don't know, man. I, I when I hear myself, like you know, that's a, I just think, wow, I'm, I'm actually like functioning. I'm a real person, and I talk like that. <laughs> like I'm a dad and a husband, and I, talk I own like a small that. business, and this is the way that I talk. <laughs> oh man, it could be worse, I guess. <laughs> oh, so. <laughs> but man, uh, I'm I am uh, excited that you're here excited to have somebody my friend back to talk to and talk about hunting with you and uh yeah dude. so yeah dude welcome back thanks man good to be back um this weekend we've got something really cool coming up the total archery challenge is in tennessee and it's the first time that the total archery challenge has come this far south in the southeast which is pretty cool they're giving away a truck like dude they're giving away all kinds of stuff that's cool and i'm trying to make it there i i've had huge plans to make it there and now i have some conflicting schedules so i may not be able to go yeah um, but i am definitely trying to get there because the backcountry hunters and anglers the southeastern chapter is doing an after party on that saturday night so i'm pretty dang pumped about that like i really want to go what is bha you may ask <laughs> <laughs> i know i've actually blake just brought me a bha hat a new one that's too big for his head that's right and uh what's good on you though man <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna try to wear it this week to that get together dude but you should bha is a really cool organization that me and blake are both part of um and if you listeners have not ever heard of it you should really check it out because these are this is an organization that has really done a great job of um, bringing attention to the public lands and some of the some of the conflicts that have happened more recently with um, the, the public lands and, and keeping it um, in the public hands. That's actually like a hashtag: keep public ha- pu- ugh, keep public lands in public hands. And uh, I know Stephen Ranella and um, Ryan Callahan are all like big. Um, supporters of BHA. I want to say Brian Callahan is like on the board, right? The yeah, national sure board. Is, yeah. yeah. Um, and so if you are a fan of Meat Eater 
and or first light camo or anything like that i'm sure you've heard of bha but if not i really encourage you guys to check it out because um this is just a really cool organization and the southeastern chapter is really starting to rise up and do some pretty cool stuff and so i really want to get there to that total archer challenge to hang out with those guys and get to know them a little bit better and uh yeah maybe get some cool gear while i'm there yeah 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 that's gonna be cool man i hope you get to get to go to that i i, I, I kind of want to just jump in the truck with you and, <laughs> and run up there i wish you could yeah it'd be awesome bha is cool man it's an organization i get behind I, I like what they're doing and and if you are not in tennessee or not in alabama uh, maybe you're like in georgia or south carolina or north carolina or florida all of these states have bha get-togethers and so just find your your local um uh, your local chapter or the chapter chair um or the state chair and uh find out that it's really easy to find out you can find it online at the um be on the bha website but um there's always doing cool stuff they're doing like pint nights and and meetups and stuff where you can kind of just hang out together yeah with like-minded people which is always fun that's why I like hanging out with you, Blake, because you're so like-minded. <laughs> we are. We, we, we think a lot alike. I think we do, too. <laughs> oh, man. So this week, we are talking with Brad Luttrell. Um, some people may know him as Brad Luttrell, like the Backstreet Boys singer, Brian Luttrell. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> distant, distant cousin of Brad. <laughs> yeah. But Brad is, a, Brad is the, a co-founder of the Go Wild app which is a really cool app. Uh, it's social media. It's a very social platform. We'll talk a lot about it when we're talking with Brad today. But the thing I wanted to say is, before you even listen to this, just go ahead and download it. If you have iTunes, Android, whatever you've got, um, go ahead and download it because it is a really awesome application. Uh, and, and we're just talking about hanging out with like-minded people. And there are so many like-minded people on this. And it's just a place where you can go. You don't have to build followers. You don't have to have friend requests or anything like that. You literally pick the content that you want to see and you get to engage with those people. And Brad goes into a little more detail in that today. But the other thing that he does is he talks about cooking a lot. That's right. Like yeah. it's like he is like like a cocaine addict is <laughs> to cocaine. He is to meat and grilling and <laughs> Like wild game. This dude is an animal from what it sounds like. Sounds like he can cook a piece of meat, man. Yeah, he's passionate about it too. Eh? Yeah. You talk about we can talk about go out go wild and just logistics and stuff. That stuff's all fun and good and hunting stories and stuff. But you start talking about grilling or smoking, that dude is Yeah. He gets lit. Tone changes a little bit. <laughs> it does. It's <laughs> he like serious, man. He goes up a couple DBs, you yeah. know? Uh-huh. Um, but it was it was a lot of fun getting to talk to him about all that because he's just so passionate about it. But I'm not going to give all that stuff away. Blake, do you have anything else, man? No, man. I think that's it. Glad to be back. Can't wait to sit Welcome behind this mic a little bit back. more. <laughs> Can't wait to listen to that song again. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll listen to it when we're done recording this. <laughs> okay. All right, guys. Uh, we're done bullcrapping. We'll let you get to this episode with Brad Luttrell of Go Wild. Okay, everybody, and on the line, I have Brad Luttrell, not Luttrell, Brad Luttrell. Brad, how's it going, man? It's good, good. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, and of course, as always, I've got my lovely co-host, best-looking bearded man I know, Blake Eccles. How's it going, buddy? Great, man. Really awesome. Good. Really awesome. Good. Sweet. 
Well, Brad is the founder, and correct me if I'm wrong, Brad, okay? Brad is the, the founder and would it be CEO of Go Wild? Yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm technically the CEO. I don't call myself the founder. I was the idea behind it, but, you know, ideas aren't worth Everybody has good ideas. I would not have been able to do this thing without my, the rest of my team. So I, am, I always do my best to say co-founder. Fantastic. He's a, also a great leader. That answer is a reflection <laughs> of that. <laughs> That's awesome. So, Brad, um, tell us a little about yourself. Where do you live? What do you do for uh, – obviously, we know what you do for a living, but you can kind of go into, into depth on what your actual responsibility is. Um, well, tell us a little bit about yourself, man. Sure. So I, I'm living in Louisville, Kentucky today, and um, Louisville, not Louisville or any of the other 50 <laughs> ways. If you live here, it's Louisville. you got to like say it as if you've been drinking bourbon. Um, yep. So I, I live here today, but I grew up in southeastern Kentucky and uh, Middlesbrough, Kentucky. I was born in Harlan, grew up in a hunting environment. Honestly, I didn't hunt a whole lot growing up. I mean, I remember like my dad taking me squirrel hunting for the first time, but mostly just grew up playing in the, the outdoors in the woods and playing paintball in the woods and going fishing. I went fishing a lot, but I was never like really good at it, but I have a lot of great memories fishing with my, my papa and my cousins. And, you know, I, I really didn't get into hunting until definitely in my adult life, um, started squirrel hunting more. And then about seven years ago, I got into deer hunting and dove hunting and turkey hunting. And, you know, it's, it's been a full on addiction since then. Um, but you know, you ask about some of my, uh, other, uh, job responsibilities that go wild and, and my life, you know, I, I'm married with two kids. I'm, I'm, uh, was recently in advertising up until about, uh, I guess a month ago, um, you know, Go Wild was taken off. I'd started Go Wild as a, a side project. I always wanted it to blow up and hope that it would be able to, you know, keep things going and, and pay the bills. And it finally got to the point to where things were so crazy. I was a creative director at a digital ad agency here in Louisville, doing really great work. Loved my team. I'd hired up a great team of, uh, I don't know, eight people or so. And it just got to the point to where I was waking up at five working on go wild until I went in at nine and then work at the agency until five and then come home. My wife works night shifts. So a lot of nights I was hanging out with my son, Walter, my, my daughter hadn't been born yet. So me and Walter would kick it until like eight thirty. he goes to bed and then I work until 1am and then start the whole thing over. And it was killing me, man. And so I it got to the point and we were, we were to the point like with, with go wild that it, it financially made sense and so i made the jump recently i quit my stable job to go to my startup right as we were about to have a baby like literally right as like i I quit my job and i handed my boss my letter and she's she's like when is your last day and i was like well three weeks or when my baby's born like whichever comes first so (laughs) i've had all, all the life changes over the last few weeks um and things are i feel like things are just starting to settle now i mean um you know, I believe Blake said he's got kids, so you know, or a kid, and getting ready to have another. So you know, like that that first, you don't know what that first month's going to be like. The schedule, like the baby, could be a great sleeper or not, and and you can't just stop doing your work either. So things are starting to settle a little bit, and I'm finally starting to come back out of the the haze of early parenthood, emerging from that, that cave, that that haze that every father knows about, man. <laughs> Golly, I remember that. We luckily we got uh, a really really good baby, and she slept all night pretty much pretty much from the time she was born i think that's awesome i never got to have that that haze real bad now 
my wife is she is a stay at home mom and she's a rock star at it. And she would she would definitely beg to differ that our daughter has always been just the most awesome. You know what I mean? Because yeah. she's the one that's always yeah. Because you were care sleeping. Of I guarantee you. you yeah. Or like in the middle of the night. Yeah. Those wake yeah. up. I'm the same way, man. My wife's like, I'm like, man, she slept great last night. She's like, nah. She woke up at two and six. I'm like, oh, I had no idea. Well, you know, there's, there's the way I see it is they were given. God gave them the equipment to be able to get up with them and see them at night. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Blake, Blake's being quiet over here. Yeah. Yep. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you can't be guilty if you don't speak, Blake. Uh, hey, my, that's right, man. Son, you learned that over the years. <laughs> my son, man, I felt like I had nothing to contribute, honestly, for the first six months. Um, you know, I could change a diaper here and there. But like you said, there was there's not a lot for the dad to do when they're hungry. So, But this time around, um, my duty, you know, I wake up early. I get to play with my kid and my, my son in the morning and then um, keep him distracted so mama can sleep with, uh, and get some rest. So it's it's uh, more of a team effort this time around. It's been pretty cool. Man, that's so cool. I, my wife, we're, we're currently – in discussion, we're in the discussion stage of that number two. But I don't know if I want to take the chance, man, right now because we had such a good baby. Everybody says it's going to be just dive in, man. Yeah, just dive in first. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, literally, huh? <laughs> um, so, so Brad, I don't want to skip past this. You said um, that you have been hunting for about seven or eight years. Is kind of when you started with it, but you mentioned turkey hunting in there. So, have you gotten to go out yet this season? No, man, it's actually, it doesn't open up until the 14th or 15th up here in Kentucky. I think it's 14th this year. Um, so two weeks into April in Kentucky, we're one of the latest openers in, in this area. But uh, I did go out yesterday, and I've, I've got a new piece of property I've been hunting, and um, I'm scouting. I scouted it yesterday. I, I, I killed a 10-point buck on it in November. Um, I'd hunted southeastern Kentucky, which is a really hard zone to hunt for whitetail. And I hunted there for four days, and I saw two deer. I think the first one ran in in the first 30 minutes, this eight point that I'd seen on camera all, uh, all summer long. And I knew I didn't want to shoot him because there was this big, big 11-point walking around. So first 30 minutes, I'm like, I'm going to pass on him. And then four days later, I'm like, oh, my God, where's that eight point? <laughs> uh, so I didn't get anything down there. And then I came up closer to Louisville. And, you know, there's just corn everywhere and these things are I mean, like, they're a true problem. Um, I mean, you can, you can, um, the, the, the rules are dramatically different than where I hunt in zone four. So I got, I ended up like two days, one day of scouting, one day of hunting, and I ended up with a 10 point. So that was really nice, um, way to end my, my literally like the last day I could possibly hunt for rifle this, this past year. Wow. So I went out to that same property yesterday and scouted for turkeys. Um, you know, I hadn't, I wanted to get out there two weeks ago, but newborn it's just been hard and um got out there walked of course seeing like deer it's like it's as if you know that's uh you, you see those videos of wildebeest migrating and there's just millions of them that's what it <laughs> looks like from the deer tracks on this farm uh there's so many deer tracks that you can't even tell them apart they're just like completely obliterating the farm but so i see i don't know six or seven deer out yesterday and a coyote and then i get out to the back corner and i start to hear those gobbles in the morning and so i've got them i figured out where they're roosted they were it was a little bit late getting out there but you know it had rained and it was cold so they were still up in the tree so i found got a couple gobblers back in this corner which is right on the property line so i've got a, a challenge ahead to try to draw them uphill a little bit but um I don't know. Better, better than not going at all. So. Heck yeah, man. 
Well, cool, man. Well, it sounds like you've had a, a very bus- busy past few weeks, and uh, but there's a couple things that I know that you are passionate about, and that is the Go Wild app and cooking. So I follow you on Instagram, <laughs> and we are getting into that, that time of year, man, where it's going to be firing up the grills and drinking the beverage of your well, you choice. Mean this time of year, man. I'm I'm firing up the grill like literally zero degrees. I'm getting out there and cooking on my big green egg. Fantastic, good for you, man. I'm you got, not. You, you, you got it. No, nah, you got you got to stay at it, man. No, I uh, I'm kidding. I know I'm like the anomaly, but I I truly love it so much. Like I will literally I've I have shoveled a foot of snow basically to get to my egg uh, to to cook in the winter. So I I am pretty diehard on this. It's thing. commitment, man. That's hilarious. Yeah, dude, yeah. Uh, this year I kept my I, I keep my coveralls, my uh, whitetail hunting coveralls in my truck, and uh, I would just put those things on when I would go to grill when I throw a backstrap on the grill or something when it was freezing cold down here in Alabama. <laughs> so I, I know I know how that's you feel, funny. man. <laughs> so that's the two things I'm I'm super pumped to talk to you about. I've heard you talk about cooking, and I know that you're super passionate about uh, that. So we're gonna talk about that for uh, a little bit, man. I want to know. So uh, you said you killed. A ten point? Did you kill any more deer this year? No, there's only one. I, okay. Um, I was I had already made up my mind. Literally, this was the last day I was going to get to go, and I hadn't gotten anything. And you can't you can only shoot an antler deer where I hunt in Zone Four down in southeastern Kentucky. But when I came up to Zone One, I mean, there's like I said, there's so many of them, totally different rules. So I was already ready to take a doe. I'd already decided that I was going to uh, like just whatever because I love the meat. But um, no, just the buck this year. Okay, so. Is that buck still in your freezer, or is he already gone? No, uh, he's still in there. I had, um, I've had, i had a, quite a bit of other meat in there. Um, I, I was just talking to a buddy of mine, and I was telling him how I really want to get to where I'm only doing wild game, but my wife um, has been a slower conversion than I would have liked. <laughs> so we st- we still eat, you know, she, she's a Costco chicken gal. Um, so, you know, it's not like we're 100% eating wild game, but I probably got us to 50 or 60% of the meals. Um, now, if it's a meal I make, I only cook with wild game for her. Uh, the exception is pulled pork, and that's kind of my specialty that I've developed over the years. Uh, I've been smoking probably longer than I've been, I don't know, a timeline. The timeline probably syncs up pretty similar, but when I first got into it, I wasn't successful, uh, uh, at least not a lot. So I, I was cooking a lot with pulled pork or uh, pork butt, yeah. and and so that's kind of and like when people come over for us to make dinner, that's like what they ask me to do because I've gotten if I'm if I'm confident and can say I'm good at anything, a pulled pork like I've got a process down that works very well. It's foolproof. It's always good. It's consistent. Um, it stands out. It's different. So. So I cook a lot of pulled pork too, but yeah, I've actually been putting the herd on that deer. Um, I've, I've gotten through a pretty good chunk of it. Uh, you know, honestly, I think if we hadn't had a baby too, there would have been a lot more cooking going on, but we've been guilty of hitting up some fast food, not fast food, but like restaurants lately too. Yeah. You can say it, man. Fast food. It's okay. We understand. No, we you know what? I, I try, I, we, we actually, I try, we try to eat, uh, we try to avoid it. Um, I, I pretend to be healthy. I mean, I, I like to run and we, um, I should say easy food. That's usually what it is. It's like a call out and pick up at a place. You know, yep. it's, it's easy food. We, we, we've been guilty of that lately. You said that you don't use uh, that you, you're pretty much uh, on wild game except for pulled pork. Have you ever tried like a wild pig? Yeah, I, I haven't. Um, I haven't hunted hogs yet. I really, really want to, man. But uh, my my buddy went down and he brought back a hog. I don't I don't know where he. I think he went to Florida. 
and he brought back a hog. He goes down and hunts them a couple times a year. And he, he, it's kind of funny. His demise was, was my benefit. He got sick. So he'd already thawed <laughs> out all this uh, meat. And he's like, dude, you got to come get this. I, I can't, I, I've got like a couple pounds of Italian sausage links and I, I can't cook them. So I was like, I don't even know what to do with this stuff. Cause I hadn't cooked it. I assumed it was probably similar to like a farm or a, a fresh processed hog, which, which ended up being, honestly, I thought that was pretty similar. Like it, it's so different than a store-bought anything like any yeah. store-bought pig that has seasoned into it to me tastes totally different than like my, my papa used to, they, they would raise hogs and harvest them themselves. And those taste to me very similar to a wild pig. I guess it's the lack of preservatives. I don't know. I don't know what I'm talking about, but I don't, I don't um, know either, man. I know they're less, I know they've got less fat, like wild pigs have yeah. less fat on them. So like bacon and stuff like that, it's really tough to get off of them. Yeah. Um, right. And they say that but, the, the the smaller ones, the smaller wild pigs are. Well, they say I know this for a fact. The smaller pigs are just better. They just taste good. Are they? And the big yeah. ones, they get too big, man. And it's just, it's not. I heard it gets grainy. Yeah, it does. It's it's rough. And then, you know, the place where I hunt pigs is on a piece of property that my dad owns in East Texas, and in the summertime, they just have this stink, man. Like you wouldn't believe. Yeah. It's a it's a like a bo stink, and those big. There's probably a way to cure that out, though. I mean, if people can get ruddy mule deer to taste good, you got to be able to get those pigs. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Out. But they say what I've heard is is that the big ones carry diseases. I don't even know. I don't know the truth behind mm-hmm. that. So if somebody listening to this knows if there's any truth behind it, um, I'd love to know because I've always heard that. I would just, too. I've just never. Um, I've never found out i never found out for myself so but man i love about a 60 60 to 100 pound pig man it, you can't beat it it's so good we did one Sweet last spot. year yeah. that was solid dude i would love to um uh, cook i've actually heard that you don't get the the pork shoulder off the same way you do i hear, I hear they're not as big as like a domestic hog i don't know if that's true either um i've never butchered either one um I've seen the process done on like a farm raise, but I, I, at that time in my life, I definitely didn't know the difference between the cuts. Um, but do you all know that? Do you, I have do you no like idea. Shoulder? I know. Yeah. I, like, I mean, a lot of times. So, I mean, you can shoot them up close to the head. Um, but I mean, I usually, the shot that I put them is normally going to be right on that shoulder. So I usually don't have to worry about that anyway. It's usually just two blood shots. Uh, um, what do you, what caliber are you hunting them with? Well, I've I've killed them with I've shot them with a bow before, and then I've shot them with um, a thirty out six before I had my AR, and now I just take my AR because it's just lighter and quieter, and it don't kick, and it usually yeah. it usually puts them down pretty quick. That that thirty out six leaves it leaves no doubt. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. <laughs> I have that for deer, and it's way too much gun. I mean, oh, yeah. like it it leaves no doubt. I've never had one go very far. Um, like it just physically impossible after you get hit with that thing, but it, it, it's too much if you're trying to get a lot of the meat, like it does completely get ruin a shoulder. Oh yeah. I, I'll tell you what though. I, I used to be super confident in my 30 out six and I still am, but two years ago, I guess it was last year or not this past season, the season before that, it was just a tough season for me anyways, but I hit, I shot and hit and knocked down two different deer last year that after the shot they they fell over and then got straight back up and I never saw them again with that 36 wow. and it, I mean I, I'm sure it has more to do with shot placement and yeah. and uh 
that was probably more of a hunter error than anything else. But Dude, I've never had it happen before. Had you had you been shoot had you shot your gun a lot lately before that? Uh no. I mean see, what th- that specific that day I did. Six, yeah, see well that's what I was gonna ask. Like it, that thirty out six, I've noticed I'm almost better to come in cold on that gun than to go out and shoot it a bunch before because then you just start to remember how much that thing kicks and you anticipate it and and i'll even like i'll pull my shot starting to anticipate the kick from it so i don't know that that could have been it yeah i don't know man i i definitely think it was hunter error because i shot deer with it this year and i never i think i i think i dropped every single deer that i shot yeah with that gun this year so so you're big time into the into the cooking scene man so what's your favorite so you do you do your your pork what's your favorite wild game recipe I know that's on the spot, but that should be an easy an easy answer for you. Tacos, venison tacos, without a doubt. Uh, anyway, coming or going, and and honestly, I stick man. Like I haven't been doing this long enough to where I've tried a ton of recipes. I, I'm pretty loyal to Hank Shaw's book. I got a John Wheatley book that's good. Um, I, I check out Jeremiah Dowdy from Field to Plate. I check out his website. In fact, I just ate his venison meatball recipe uh, today. Um, but as far as like my per- tacos are probably my favorite food in general and and i mean like a true to a true mexican like authentic taco you mm-hmm. know not loaded down with cheese and sour cream but something that's um got like fresher vegetables on it and um the like a street Hank taco got, yeah like a street taco if you yeah. think of like a really like an overpriced uh food truck taco that yeah. if people want to think of like what that is but like whatever your definition of that is that's probably closer to what i like to make and and honestly i've been doing that for a long time with pulled pork um pulled pork's really flexible and and uh, you can do a pulled pork that turns out to make great barbecue sandwiches and tacos at the same time like there's actually not that much difference between the meat itself or the seasoning because the seasoning i mean even if you rub a pulled a pulled pork down and like the, there's so much more meat on the inside that once you pull that apart, the seasoning isn't really what's driving that flavor all that much. I mean, there's a little bit to it, but I mean, it's, you can definitely take that and make sandwiches or tacos out of it. So I used to make tacos all the time for my pulled pork days. And so I've naturally gravitated to that with venison and venison makes such good tacos. Uh, it, it pulls in longer strands, which I like for, for tacos. Like the cuts that I've been doing have, they pull really nice, almost taco length, so they're not falling apart. And if you do it right, they don't dry out, and it just it works so well. So any any venison barbacoa with tacos is probably my favorite way to do it. Bro, we may have to just stop talking about food right there. It's making my stomach growl. Dude, me too. It, it's uh people people don't know what time it is, but it's almost dinner time. Dude, I, <laughs> it is almost dinner time. I don't know what yeah, we're doing here. We got you held up. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're good. They're they're listening to it on their commute to work in the morning, and they're like, "Dude, tacos sound gross right now," but to us three, it sounds delicious. Hey, bro, <laughs> you're talking to a guy from Texas, and tacos at breakfast is the best thing in the world. <laughs> so, so you got so Texas, you guys actually do pretty authentic. Like that's a good, that's the exact kind of taco I'm talking about. Like not like up in Kentucky, people here like the Mexican restaurants here or uh, anything like mo- there, there are a few good ones, but I mean, you know, we're going to put cheese and sour cream all over everything, but you know, I'm talking about a nice, simple barbacoa, little yep. coleslaw, maybe a slice of avocado. Like to me whew, on a oh, and, yeah. on corn, that's good stuff. Corn tortillas. Yep. Oh yeah. On corn. Definitely. I, uh, so in, in Texas, 
I don't know. I don't know the authenticity of of the Mexican food. I know that Tex Mex is my favorite, and mm-hmm. I hate that I took it for granted when I lived there. Um, but here in Alabama, man, everybody talks about oh Mexican food is so good. I'm like, y'all don't even know what Mexican food is. Y'all have no idea. No. It's just butter they and garlic don't. and Glorified cheese. Taco Bell. Yeah, Taco Bell is my favorite <laughs> yeah. Mexican food in the South. I'm just or in like <laughs> in like the deep South, Georgia, Alabama. Um, you just can't get that good. It's almost. It sounds weird, but it's almost a bland taste. Um, it is. I, we went out to it's up here too, man. We went out to uh, the Mexican restaurant that shall go unnamed, but I mean they're all. I mean they're a dime a dozen. Like these kind, and they just deep fry everything. And when I'm reading through the menu, I mean, the menu was literally ten pages deep. I, it felt like I was reading uh, the Grapes of Wrath, trying to find what I wanted to eat. And uh, I told my wife, I was like, "This is ridiculous that they have this many menu items because they're all the exact same thing. It's like comes with pico de gallo and uh, guacamole and rice and refried beans." And I'm like, "Everything. Er, there was no difference in the menu, and it's yep. all that. It's all. It's like Tex-Mex." further Americanized like they just instead like everything is deep fried and everything has chicken in it (laughs) well here's what we're gonna do okay we're all three gonna take this idea of bringing good Mexican food to the deep south to the dirty south (laughs) and open everybody's eyes you got the that entrepreneur spirit and you uh with with your app and everything like that I know you can do it man so you're gonna join the team is that what we're gonna do I, I love it Let's do it, man. You guys, you guys figure out how to fund it, and I'll be there. Okay. <laughs> we'll call it go. I don't even know how to say go in Spanish, but like go Waldo. Go eat. Go, go eat. That's it. <laughs> New sister app my, to go wild. Go eat. My my Spanish teacher will be ashamed that I didn't have a, a clever comeback to that. But I I, I I took one class in college. That was actually what changed my. Uh, I was t- I was a bachelor of arts degree until I realized how bad I was at Spanish, and then I had to take three more Spanish classes. So I was like, you know, bachelor's of science sounds pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So, all right, so tacos. Like we gotta stop talking about that for for real. I'm I'm about to die over here. You know uh, what's hilarious, guys? Is I'm literally like after this interview, I'm going to eat tacos upstairs <laughs> right now. <laughs> that is that is pretty awesome. I'm probably not. Uh, I don't know though. If the if the wife has doesn't have any dinner plans, then we may we may be doing deer tacos. So <laughs> if oh. if I expanded on that question, so that was like the straightforward answer. Like you asked, how my favorite way to do it is it's definitely venison tacos. But you know, I like to find unusual ways. Everybody does the same stuff with venison. Um, I'm I'm not a big advocate of wrapping it in bacon. I, I try to find like I try to really think outside of the box and find things that um, are unexpected. So, you know, whenever I'm looking through a recipe book, you know, I'm just trying to find, and that's with any game, uh, wild Turkey, for example, a lot of people, you know, and this is fine. If you do this, I'm not picking on you, but you know, a lot of people dice up the breast and wrap the cube it up and wrap it in bacon. And that's the only way they eat it. But I really like my favorite part of a wild Turkey is to take the legs and make, um, I can never remember if it's pho or pho. I think it's uh, the the Vietnamese um, soup, and and so I you know brown the legs up and then boil them and and the, that meat actually comes off really easily if you boil it that way and oh my god guys it's so good um, so which is a very unusual way like other people that I know that go through the effort for a turkey leg will smoke it and that's a great way to do it too because you really got to slow cook that meat to break down those tendons but 
um, you know, I, I try to find unusual ways to, to use game. And, and, and through that, I've converted some people on, you know, I, I think food is the answer to getting more people outside. If you show people the value in the meat and that it's not gamey and that you can make these gourmet tacos or that you can make it a Vietnamese soup out of this, this wild game, then you start to turn people's opinion on it, you know? So that, that's why I, I really seek out unusual ways to cook my game. Dude, I, I completely agree. I, uh, this past, really, really the past two years, I've really kind of dove into uh, cooking wild game and just trying new things. Uh, you know, like you said, uh, talking about wrapping it in bacon, I think we just wrap everything wild game in bacon and throw it on the grill. Um, right, which I, is good because it's bacon, but you know there are other ways. There, there are other ways to do it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. And, and so uh, this past year, July fourth, I was at a big barbecue and I brought uh, a backstrap from a deer I'd shot last year. And threw it on the grill, just rubbed it down with a good dry rub, uh, threw it on the grill and cooked it, you know, to uh, really rare and sliced mm-hmm. it up thin and gave a few guys, let them try it. A few guys didn't want to try it because it was rare and they were scared of eating some rare, rare meat. But uh, but they tried it and it blew everybody away. They couldn't believe they were like, this is deer meat? And I was like, yeah, man, this, that's what it is. And, uh, and I mean, a bunch of those guys were like, man, I got to get back into hunting because I got to get some of that, some more of that meat, you know. So I, I, I agree with you. I think that's one of the best ways. And people that that have never been in, involved in hunting, I think, uh, you know, that connection with food is. I think that's a big deal. I think it is too. And I, that, there's a lot, a big movement right now. You know, table fair. More and more people are are interested in that. I mean, look at all the uh, the all these food to or what what do you call like the boxes that they deliver all the like, yeah blue like apron. blue apron uh, Stephen Ranella has one that's just meat. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. There's a yeah. meat one you can get. So you look at those though, and all those are coming out of a a passion for cooking and a passion for food. So I think if we if people would approach, and, and we're already doing it, it's not like you guys don't eat the meat. You know, like all of us need to just do a better job of talking about the food, and that's something I'm I'm like I'm always thinking about that, even with the Go Wild Instagram account, because in Go Wild, you know, you got a bunch of hunters together, they get it, but when you're talking about st- content that's going to interact with people that don't get it, you have to be cognizant of how you're presenting that stuff, because otherwise we all just look like you know, a bunch of jerks that want to go out and kill stuff. And I don't think that's the case. You know, I don't know anybody like that. Yeah, I don't either. And, and I see, I see this, this movement and I, you've been able to see it for a while of, of guys who really, really do care about that. And, uh, but the other thing that I noticed with that same kind of people is they're more respectful to the, to the non-hunter just in general. Mm-hmm. Um, I yeah. posted something on, on Facebook, I think it was Facebook the other day. Either I posted it or I commented on a post or something, um, basically asking um, about you know if if they if they took away if if it, what I said was is it a right to hunt? Do we have the right to hunt or a privilege to hunt? Well, mm-hmm. constitutionally speaking, we have a privilege to hunt because that's not part of our constitution. Um, now, as a as a believer in the Bible, you have a whole new, you have a whole set of other things that are talked about pretty specifically in there. But when it comes down to it, as an American, if we want to keep our privilege to hunt, then we have to not necessarily convert people into hunters. That's not what we have to do, but we have to show it in a light that is a respectful, a respectful thing. And there's not a whole lot of things that everybody can get behind, but the one thing that everybody can get behind is that we have to eat. You know, right? And ninety-five percent of America eats meat. I mean, exactly. this shouldn't be a hard sell, guys. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Somehow, McDonald's was able to sell, 
you know, burgers, we should be able to sell pure meat. The thing is, we just got to do a better job of telling that story. You know, if you only talk about the kill, then that's what everybody thinks you care most about. So I think we've got a little bit of a rebranding ahead on hunting. And that's, that's a lot of, you know, a lot of the mission of the app is helping position that. I mean, a lot of the mission of the app, too, is getting, I mean, I think that's the, that's the, there's, there's almost two tiers to the problems that are going on in hunting right now. I think the other, uh, the most obvious and the, the, the biggest concern that we all need to be thinking about is how do we get more people hunting and how more people outside and more people buying hunting and fishing licenses because these fish and game agencies are not running themselves with, you know, it's, it's not. They don't run on wishes and dreams. It takes dollars to pay these biologists to be out there uh, studying the wildlife and protecting the habitat. So n- priority number one for everybody needs to be getting more people outside. And that's that's the number one mission with the app. I mean, you know, somebody I was talking to somebody the other day about how, why we w- were doing this. And somebody said something about us making a lot of money. And I was like, dude, I was in advertising. Like I was pretty much like I had done. I was going to make money at what I was doing. Like I, I quit a very stable job. that traditionally pays very well um and to go take a chance to do something else like go is not proven yet we we haven't the model i think it can be i think i think what we're doing i believe in what we're doing but like you can't say that like it's about funding a tech startup and all that like there's there's a real passion for what we're trying to do here and that's to get more young people into the outdoors and I, i really believe the app can be a catalyst for that yeah, so can we just go ahead and segue right into that? Like, just tell us in the purest form you can um, to somebody who has never heard of the Go Wild app, uh, which would be, which will be a, a, a good amount of these of these listeners. Just explain to us um, what exactly it is. You, so you told us why you do it, um, and that you this is your full time job. But just in your pre, in the purest form, what is the Go Wild app? So Go Wild at, at its core is a social media app for hunters, anglers, and outdoors enthusiasts. But what I don't like about that description is people automatically assume that we're Facebook for the outdoors, and we're not. We're far from that. And in fact, we built our platform very differently than how Facebook operates today. Now, right now, when you sign up for Go Wild, we're going to ask you a few questions. So we want to know what do you like. So if you say you like to hunt and you don't like to fish, then you're going to finish onboarding onto the app, which means like putting in your name and location. It's very easy. And then all of a sudden there's content. You don't have to go out and try to friend anyone. You don't have to, you know, there's no work ahead of you to build this platform. Any other social media app that you install, you're going to have to find friends. You're going to have to find people to follow. And it's a really labor intensive process, right? But we took, we, we, from our research and and when we were building this thing, we decided really early that we didn't want to have that burden to try to make people find enough people to follow to make the app worthwhile. What's cool about that is that people are interacting and talking to each other, people that from all across the country that they never would have talked to before because they're outside of their network. So we really open up people to learning in new ways. I've seen some people, I, I've, I've directly had people say like, well, I'm not, I've got 40,000 followers on Instagram. I'm not going to go rebuild my audience there on go wild. And I'm like, well, look, that's where you're confused. I don't care about your audience. Like you have access to all of the tens of thousands of users in our app because it's open platform. So if you post in deer hunting, anybody that follows the deer hunting trail can, can find your content. So, so there's like 50 different topics you can follow. Uh, you guys, um, you know, you might follow big game hunting, um, deer hunting and bass fishing. If I followed turkey hunting and hiking and camping, we might never interact together on the, within the same content. Now, 
that's as it stands today. Uh, as of like n- next week, well, I don't know when this is going to air. Uh, it's the first of April right now, or second of April right now. So within the next couple of weeks, uh, we're going to see the the app's going to roll out follow users. So you'll be able to follow people, and we'll have a trail. You know, we call them trails. You can think of them as content forums. But you'll be able to interact with people, and you can go to that trail, and that'll be any content. You know, even if they, they post in a trail you don't follow, but you can go on and find your friends or people you're interested in. We did this this way so that we didn't build a plant platform on the concept of vanity metrics. You know, right now, I, Instagram is a really cool platform. I use it for my for myself, uh, but there are some big negatives about it, and one of which is it's driven us to post the kind of content that we think is going to get a lot of likes. And from a pers- personal perspective, that there's a whole lot of vanity involved in that, and that they, that doesn't get you anything. You know, as a business, that doesn't get you anything. I've, I've had to retrain some business minds of, you know, hey, I, I realize that when you post your picture on Instagram, you get 100 likes. But when you look at the stats and where those numbers are coming from, 80% of those people didn't follow you and still don't, you know? Mm-hmm. So, so, so Instagram's built, built a platform that, you know, it's tapping into our need to feel wanted or our need to feel liked as humans. It's human nature. But at the end of the day, there's not a whole lot of long-term value in that kind of interaction. Whereas with Go Wild, you know, I've seen guys, I, I swear to God, this, this happens within the app. Uh, people, I've seen 75 comments on a post from a guy that has a couple hundred followers on Instagram. That's a post within Go Wild got 75 comments. And there's no way he would have been able to do that with a couple hundred followers on Instagram. So while the platform is totally different and yeah, you might post something and it gets seven likes or 20 likes. And it's, it's like the like volume is not as much. We're trying to retrain people and like, look, realize you're, you're creating meaningful content now you're, you can have conversations. I saw a kid post today. Hey, I don't know how to, I'm, I'm, I'm really sucking at fishing. I need some bass fishing tips. And within 20 minutes, he had 10 strangers commenting on his post, giving him advice. And I'm talking like paragraphs of type, like where, are you, where else are you going to do that? I mean, you're mm-hmm. getting trolled everywhere else you're posting about this stuff. And we wanted to build a platform. I mean, it's in our mission statement, engage, interact, and learn. That's what we're here to do is to help people engage, interact, and learn. So the whole platform is built on that. Now, uh, I've, I've talked a lot. I get real excited, guys, and I kind of forget that um, we're on a, you know, real, not a time limit, but a uh, trying to condense this down. So that's the big overview. Now I'll hit real quick. Like we also have recipes. Uh, I've worked really closely with some really great chefs like Daniel Pruitt, who does a wild and whole food blog. Uh, I've worked with Jeremiah Dowdy from from Field to Plate and Corey Sly with Harvest and Nature, like really trying to improve our recipe process and how that works. So you can um, upload your own recipes to the app. And all that goes back to what we were talking about a minute ago of I really believe that food's the answer. So our recipe functionality will be getting better and better. And we're, we're going to roll out a, a option soon to be able to save recipes somewhere to like a Pinterest where you can come back, refer to them later. So that's going to be really cool. Um, we have a trophy log, so you can go in and log up to 100 species. We just rolled out our 100th species today. And, you know, we, we right now when you measure a deer, how do you how do you guys score a deer? Just the – is it the Boone and Crockett scoring sheet? Inches. Yeah. yeah. Inches. Yep. Inches. Yeah. Inches of antler. Sorry, I, was, I, got, I got so specific on that. <laughs> You're right. You're exactly right. So what's funny to us about that, when we started talking about the app, we're like, man, it's so funny that, like, that's the measurement that everybody, like, everybody wants a, a booner. You know, we talk about the booners, um, and that's fine. But when, when you tell your buddy, 
you know, that's going to be like, it's like the, it's like the same problem as the trigger versus the food, like that pulling the trigger on the animal is such a small part of the story. Um, but that's, that's the part we get hung up on. Same thing with the antlers. You know, when we look at, when you tell a buddy about it, you don't just tell them that you say, man, it was awesome. I was hunting public land. I have my bow. It was a long shot. It was 70 yards, six yards or whatever it is. And, you know, you're going to tell them about the weather and you're going to tell them about the deer's weight. You're going to like all this information that that Boone and Crockett score doesn't talk about. And I'm not knocking Boone and Crockett. That's a, you know, a fine way to measure uh, an animal. And we even have some, some inch counts involved in our score, but we built an algorithm or a scoring, a patent pending scoring process that looks at this animal for more than just antlers. So it gives you a holistic view of your hunt. So if you hunt public land and I hunted private, you're going to get the edge on that metric. So if you hunted with a a compound bow and I hunted with a rifle, you're going to get the edge because it knows that that's a harder weapon to learn. So uh, we're, we're still evolving this and I'm, I'm still getting feedback all the time. I mean, this guy emailed us today, you know, right now all the animals in the system are based on what like weight is a very big, like, commonality because uh, the cool thing about this is it looks at a white-tailed deer or a ram or um, a shark or whatever you're loading and it, it compares on the same algorithm so that mm. that's the patent pending part of this so we built a scoring system that applies to multiple species and so you might log a fish that's a hundred or your your deer might be a 500 or 400 or 300 or whatever that score is and it kind of starts to let you look and see and compare a little bit and Honestly, I'm very open about the fact that, like, this is never going to be a scientific process like Boone and Crockett is, where it has to, you know, green out or dry out for cure out, whatever, for X amount of days. Like, that's not what we're trying to do. If you think mm-hmm. that's it, you kind of miss what we're trying to do. The The point of this is to show people that their hunt had value in a different kind of way. Because what I was seeing a lot of is people, uh, this really hit home for me one day before the app even launched. This guy sent me a picture of two deer he had on trail cameras. One was a six point, one was an eight point. And he said, Hey, do you think these deer are big enough to shoot? And like that really bothered me. You know, as a as a hunter, it bothered me that somebody would ask that question because I'm like, Man, the deer that you're gonna eat is the deer you can shoot. Now you can get into QDMA and um talking about all of that, that's fine. I get all that. But my point is as a hunter, we've gotten to the point where we've shamed people for so much that people are afraid to shoot an animal because they want to be able to post a picture of it, but they're afraid that they're getting made fun of. So our score gives you other things to look at. We don't put so much focus on the the, the rack. And uh, same thing for any other metric. Um, you know, I've been working with uh, Lynn Hoffman up in Alaska. Lynn, Lynn's a grizzly bear guide, and he hunts uh, all kinds of different animals that I've never even seen in person. And so he's helped us guide us on how to measure a ram, for example. So th- this thing's evolving all the time, but we're really proud of this because it it gives people different ways to talk about their animals. And then it also contributes to a user score, which people are super hyped up about. Um, there'll be more functionality coming out of that right now, but it's kind of like a Reddit karma score. So it measures your activity within the app and, you know, people can log time for their scouting trips. And so they're logging four hours. I saw this or that. And that's, that's what I like about the app and what we build is it, it gives people a reason to come back and tell their story. You know, people realize now like, Oh, I went scouting today. I can get some points for that. I'm going to go wild profile. I'm going to come back and log four hours or whatever. And, and it, gives them a reason to tell that those other aspects of the story you know otherwise how many times you go out and do something like you go out and scout or something you didn't post about it on instagram but the second you harvested that deer you got your griffin grin right there so that that's the only part of the story everybody else saw Mm. so our app is really pulling parts of that out and i realized that we have a, a community 
that's, you know, my content's not going to reach other people, non-hunters, but we're starting to train people and we're giving them a safe space where they can also post the gripping grin if they want to. But, you know, it's a, it's a process. I mean, I, I really feel like we're doing a good thing for training people that there are other parts of the story that can be told. Man, that was pretty pure. <laughs> that was i love it man so was it good i i blacked out i don't remember what i said <laughs> man i i just love the i love the 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 reality is is that without things like this we could one day lose um our privilege to hunt now and this yeah. and this is one of those things that is only going to be used as a tool for good so with that said what is, is there a system? So I know a lot of people would say, well, well, what is this? What, what, what makes this different from Facebook? I think you did a great job explaining some of that stuff. Um, but what I noticed the most in the hunting pages and forums that I'm on, on other social media is just the bashing, just the, the shaming and stuff mm-hmm. that you were talking about. Now, is there a system against that on uh, the Go Wild app? Yeah, so you guys may have noticed that we have a downboating system in our app. So, which I've I've honestly gotten a couple of complaints about because people it's so foreign to people. A, a lot of the hunting audience doesn't use Reddit, so that or um, or they don't participate in YouTube's downboating. They don't even realize that there is a downboating on YouTube. <laughs> but the the this whole idea is kind of new to this this audience. But we 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 put in a downboat system to give the community a voice. So if a, a guy comes in and he's crappy to a, I should say girl, um, you know, we, we have a lot of women. Any, if someone is comes in and, and they're saying crappy comments to somebody, the community has a way to respond. And this is a simple way. It's not like that it in itself does anything, but it gives people an outlet for that instead of feeling uh, bashed. And that's, a, that's on the smallest scale, but we do have a reporting system. I mean, we've only kicked out, uh, I want to say one or two guys so far. Uh, which is pretty impressive that we've only had um, that much bad content in there. And I really, I wish I had this, like, oh, well, the reason everybody's so nice and go wild is X, Y, Z. I don't have that. I, I don't know what it is. And maybe it's just the intent of the community. Uh, and, and we're still young enough that, you know, people understand our intent and what we're trying to do with this, that they're just nice to each other. Or maybe with your guard down and without so many trolls, you're, you're just nicer. I don't know. I don't know what it is, but it is a, I mean, it's a really supportive place. So, um, you know, I mentioned the guy that we kicked out, actually, he didn't even get kicked out for messing with other people. He started posting stuff and it, it was almost like he was trolling us. And, um, he posted, I think the final straw was I, he was posting some stuff about going hunting and still been hung over. And he posted a picture of moonshine from his blind and he said something about spotlight and deer. And I was like, all right, you're out. Like that, that was the point. Like I, I'd already questioned, he I was already questioning some of his hunting tactics. And that was the thing. I'm like, all right, get him out of here. We deleted him. And then the community, like there were people posting, celebrating that he was gone. Like that's how supportive <laughs> the community is that they, they posted on their own profile. And we're like, yeah, we're glad to see that guy go. Um, you know, that's not what this community is all about. Like people have already defined what the community is about. And I'll even see people sign up. And they'll give their intro, like, hey, new to the app, just checking it out, happy to be here. And then other people will jump on and say, hey, man, welcome to the community. This is a great place to ask questions. Let me know if I can help you about anything with archery. That's my specialty. And, like, where else do you see that? Like, who, like, if you go on right now and create a profile on any other social media platform out there and do that kind of post, you're not going to have hunters jumping on or anglers jumping on to say, hey, 
uh, great to hear. I'm also a bass fisherman in, in Michigan. We should meet up sometime. I mean, I've literally seen people meeting up with total strangers through our app. And, uh, you know, I don't know what magic we've had to be able to get that going, but, um, it, it's, it's pretty cool to see it in action, man. Um, I haven't even told anybody about this. Um, I don't want to say the guy's name because I haven't asked him for permission to share his story, but I got a, a very emotional letter today uh, from a guy, handwritten letter mailed to us from a guy. Um, and he told us that in December he, he lost a family member. His dad had died. And he talked about how down he was. And when he downloaded this app, you know, he, he just did it on a whim. I guess he saw an ad or something and just, I guess like coming out of the darkness of the fog from losing his dad and he's gotten to know us, you know, I'm, I'm very vocal in the community. I try to respond to people and he talked about how he got to know our team and he got to know this group of guys. And, you know, he, he thanked us. He said, you know, you guys were there, this, this thing that you made, this community was there for me and I didn't know I needed it, but now I can look back and see the like go wild, help me get over this. And I'm like, Whoa, man. I mean, I, I was almost crying in my car reading this because it hit me so hard that some, like someone could use our product and, and have such a great experience, like change it truly change. I feel like it's changing lives. And I didn't feel like that before today. Like I literally got this out of the mailbox today and I saw that and I see that this guy took time. To, I mean, who writes handwritten letters? First of all, like, Anybody else would have done this as an yeah. email, like any other situation this is an email, but handwritten letter telling us like, Hey, this changed my life for the better. And I, I was just blown away. So, uh, we've gotten a lot of really nice messages like that about like how much people love the community. And, um, you know, I think, I think the community is what's made. I mean, our product is really good. I have a really, I told you guys, I have three co-founders and, and, um, other, other business partners that are very good at what they do. Um, but you know, a, a community, you can't build communities with, with designs and code and, uh, servers. Like that's not what makes go out, go out great. Like to me, the, the support and the interactions you get within the app are what's great. Like I, I can say that and not be egotistical. If I told you the product was so great and like we did such a great job designing it and all this stuff, which I do think a lot of those things contributed to like you, you use the usability of the app, make those things. It's a, it's the lubrication that makes the machine run though. It's not the machine, like the machine is the community. Yeah. And I think that's, I think that's what I find to be so much more, likable about the go wild app than any other social media uh, because you know at the end of the day um we need we need people around us i love that story man about about the guy who who sent you the letter today um because i'm i'm just you're sitting here telling me this story and i'm thinking well i mean there's a good a good chance that his dad was the the number one guy that he that he called every time he got out of the woods or whatever. I know that's how I well, am. That's, he talked about that and, and said his dad was like, he kind of quit going out because that was his time together with his dad. And he, he said he felt like this is what got him back into the woods and got him hiking again and got him enjoying the outdoors. And, and that's what, that's what's the driving force of this. I think the, I think the, the imbalance that we find right now in the outdoor industry is that the outdoors is not about inches. It's not about pounds. It's not, I mean, 
at the end of the day, it is it is about two things. It's about meat and it's about the camaraderie between each other. Yep. I know I have a relationship with my dad that's better. I mean, I, I would say this with confidence. I have the best relationship with my dad of anybody that I know. Um, and the reason is, is because of the outdoors. And what I find is the guys like, like Blake sitting here next to me, the guys that I can connect with on that level are, they're my best friends. And, and I love, I've got a few of those friends that have come from social media outlets. And, um, and so I'm, I'm really excited about getting really going on go wild because I think that there's only good things that can happen from it. And I really do appreciate that. Uh, I love to hear, to hear guys talk about it with such passion, like, like you just did. And without even man missing a beat, I don't even know if you took a breath in that whole thing, but um, I, I, I blacked out again. So I don't even know what you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome, man. My, my, my team gives me a hard time because I get so excited sometimes. And it's like, I get like, whether like my sales calls are just the same thing. I, I like, I almost beat, our advertising partners to death with, cause I get so pumped. And by the end of it, they're like, I don't even know what you're selling me, but I want to be involved. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I want it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's so cool. Well, man. Um, so, so you have obviously, um, social media and I follow you on, on other social media platforms as well. And, but, but I know some of our users probably wouldn't have any other way to, um, to, to know more about the app. So tell us like your website, uh, where our listeners can go to find out more about it, or obviously they could just go to the Apple store and just download it without knowing anything. Um, but where can they find out more? Yeah. So our website is time to go wild.com. Um, you can, you can find out more there. We, uh, we just launched Android, the Android version of the app. Um, it's been in the store since February, but we've, we officially rolled out, I, I guess last week. I don't know. I'm, I'm living in a blur, uh, maybe two weeks ago and that's going really well. So you can find it in the Google play store or the, the Apple store, or, you know, if you want to, if you don't want another app and you want to just follow along with our story and watch this thing evolve, we're on Instagram too, or Facebook or whatever, just go wild app. Um, Twitter, whatever you want to follow us at. And then, um, I don't, I don't know if it's forbidden. Can I talk about our podcast too? Or is that, Absolutely. Is that weird? <laughs> Absolutely, man. Go for um, it. Uh, we, we just started a, a podcast too. You know, if you want to just tip your toes into the go wild arena, uh, that's, that's a great way to casually learn a little bit about it, but really like the whole goal of our podcast was to not talk about the app. I wanted to talk about the outdoors and tell some stories of people that usually don't get, um, get interviewed. You know, I'm, I listen to a lot of podcasts and it, it sometimes it feels like the same 10 people in the outdoors industry are making rounds on some of these big podcasts. And, mm -hmm. uh, I really wanted to find, well, a, we wanted to go beyond those people, but B really like, I didn't want to offer a show that was just hunting tactics. You know, the kind of conversations we're having now was more of what I was interested in and, you know, more personable interviews, people talking about their past and, where they came from and the show's called restless native. So the concept is finding, you know, people that are really driven and have, have pushed themselves beyond a normal person. They have a, a unusual drive about them. So if people want to check that out, I've started doing, we're going to release episode four um, here in the next couple of days. And I've, I've started tacking on Q and A's, which 
started off the first one, I thought it'd be five minutes. And then last night, I think I did 30 minutes of Q and a answers. Huh. So it's kind of, and, and that is kind of, it's kind of funny. That's the part a lot of people are getting super pumped about is getting to hear what's next on the app. I mean, uh, I had a guy tell me the other day, um, he, he's bought four or five things off of, of us. Uh, his name's Jimmy and Jimmy, Jimmy has been one of our longest supporters of what we've been doing. And he told me, he's like, man, it's kind of weird. Like I'd never buy an Instagram hat, but like everything go wild puts out. I want to be a part of it. And <laughs> I th- I feel like that says it. Like, I don't know what we've done. I guess it's like, maybe it, like the marketing guy in me is like, Oh, well the branding's really good. But like, I've been a part of really great brands that still failed because of, of this, this reason or that. So there's something special going on there. And I, I feel like it just comes back to that community. Like that logo on the hat represents so much more, than what it would for a lot of other social media platforms. Like it for Jimmy, I think it represents, you know, his buddies that he's met. He lives in Wisconsin and he's met guys. I mean, he, we kind of kid and called this little click that, uh, has formed from these early users, the wolf pack, because I mean, there's guys like in Oregon, Virginia, Wisconsin, Indiana, and then there's this guy in Scotland and they all like love each other and tag each other in content. And then, you know, that's what it's all about. Like seeing, seeing guys meeting new people like that. Um, but I think that, that right there, that communal aspect of it is, is what he sees when he sees that logo. He doesn't see an app. It's a platform for communication. Yeah. And it's a It's a, it's a sense of belonging and ownership, which I think is your goal. Yeah. Yeah, it is. I mean, if you if you sign up for the app, you immediately get an email from me. That's obviously canned. I'm not writing thousands of emails, uh, you know, to, to welcome people. But we, you get this email from me, and I tell people like, this is your app. And I, I've always believed that. But when I got that letter today, I I was like, man, I've been saying it, but it, like it even hit me in a different way. I was like, this thing's not mine anymore. Like this is this has gone beyond our team, and um, you know, realizing that we we're almost making the paper and other people are telling the story you know they're writing the, the narrative out on on the paper themselves so uh it, it's just been it's a, like today that was probably today was probably the most humbling moment i've had with the whole thing of of realizing what it could mean to somebody that's dude that's really cool i'm glad we got to talk to you today now i'm going to be real disappointed if i listen to another podcast and you say that you got a letter in the mail you give me give them the same story <laughs> you just got a really good interview like- spill I'll, I'll change up like the slightest little thing. I'm like, this guy went through this tragic moment and it'll be like his dog. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool, man. Well, I love everything about everything you just said. Like, it's kind of, as a host of a, of a podcast, you feel like you need to say things, but then you just, man, you were just, just beasting it and just spitting it out. Like, um, so I, I kind of feel like I didn't do my job but man that was such a great interview and i think our listeners are truly going to enjoy it so guys if you're listening to this um and and you enjoy it just do us a favor and go and download this app um, because i think you can really get something from it blake i don't have anything else for brad do you no man i, I i'm excited about what you're doing dude uh I, I love seeing guys like you take a chance and uh and, and then be successful at it and uh so uh, I'm, I'm I'm pumped for uh, for what Go, Go Wild has in store, and I'm I'm ready to start using it more. I, you know, I've been on the app for maybe a, six months now, something like that. 
um, and seen mm-hmm. a lot of cool stuff. And man, uh, you hit the nail on the head. It's a cool community. Like there's a lot of cool people in there. I love how how positive everybody is. Um, and uh, so yeah, man. Yeah, thanks for uh, th- taking a chance and making a good product. The uh, the last thing I'll say, you know, since we are asking people to sign up for it, is it the the thing that's different about it when you come in, you you're not going to just post like a really cool photo and, and get all that engagement. What this community wants is to get to know who you are and, and what you're about. So come in, you know, make an introduction post and let us know. And, um, you know, the app is not so big right now that we're talking thousands and thousands of posts a day, but it is growing. So that part that makes you stand out and helps you build those relationships like all these other guys have been talking about and, get, and girls. I, keep, I say guys by default, but we truly have a ton of women. I mean, we even just we just partnered with uh, Real Camo Girl, you know, an organization that supports women outdoors enthusiasts. And, and you know, that's a really big, important thing to us because I think they getting more women in the woods means getting more people in the woods and means buying more licenses and all the things we just talked about. So, But the important thing when you download our app is just to come in, make that introductory post, get to know people. It's it's not going to be an experience like what you would have elsewhere. You know, you're not just going to come in and start posting cool pictures and build up a following. That's not the goal. So, if you come at it from that angle, though, uh, it's going to be all right. Well, Brad, I cannot wait to see what this app does. I know a bunch of our uh, listeners are going to get a lot from it, and I'm looking forward to it. Just like Blake said, I'm looking forward to using it even more. So, man, I, I wish you luck, and thank you so much for coming on the show. And, dude, go kill a big turkey this season. <laughs> yeah, all right. Thanks, guys. I hope you all have a, a great season. And then I don't know if you're fishing or whatever this summer, but good luck with it. So this is the closing of the podcast. <laughs> Me and Blake are just trying to figure out how to not sound like we're copying every other co- podcast by saying, or right, let's just give Dan credit. Dan, Dan Johnson. Dan Johnson deserves credit for this. And there you have it. And there you have it. You got to do it with that Iowa accent, though. I don't even know how to do it. I can't do it. And there you have it. My voice won't let me do it. (laughs) It's like a really heavy on the R. And there you have it. Maybe we just need to get a recording of Dan doing that, of Dan saying (laughs) that, and just play it right at the the end. What about the guy who does the the interstate? Oh, man. I don't know. We need to get him to do that. and He needs to do our (laughs) podcast for us. And and read my kids' books at night. (laughs) (laughs) But, man, uh, so that was pretty good. That was a pretty good way to do it. I mean, it was longer in there yet than in there you have it, but everybody got the point, I think. Beat around the bush a little bit, but hey, we got there. Yeah, man. Uh, but there really was a, a fun episode with Brad. I hope you guys enjoyed it. I hope you guys will go and um, follow us on on this app, on Go Wild. You don't have to. You don't have to follow us. Uh, I post a lot on there. I've posted a lot of stuff lately. Um, hope you guys will enjoy it. I, I post in the Sage Wisdom section. You can also log time, which is pretty cool. That's a neat thing. You can log time. Like, you can log when you listen to this podcast. So go do that. That would be an awesome, awesome thing. It would help us out a lot. If you enjoy the show, uh, go and, and talk about it on there. I know a lot of guys would love it. <laughs> um, what, what's that, man? That's a fire alarm. <laughs> Do you think we should leave? So, so what do we do now? I'm pretty sure the fire department's coming. They are going to come. <laughs> yeah. Here. So we need to go fast. All right. I'm going to put this uh, on on pause, and yeah. we will come back. All right. Yeah. Let's do that. Okay. Well, that was fun. Yeah, man. Good stuff. <laughs> Somebody just pulled the fire alarm. So, yeah. False alarm, man. 
It makes it easy to transition out of that, though. (laughs) Yeah, for real. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, we want to take some time really quick and thank some people that we have um, really been dependent on lately. Yeah. Onyx Maps is one of those people, too. They are uh, several of those people, actually. They're yeah. not just one person. That's right. Yeah, yeah. So uh, thanks, guys, for the awesome app. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I love it. No, for real. Uh, it's an awesome app for you know for hunting maps. But, dude, I've actually been using Onyx lately because me and my wife, so we have a dream one day to own some property. And we're hoping to maybe buy said property in the next year or so. So, dude, I've been scouring all next maps, figuring out who owns what, <laughs> so I really? can call them and try to buy some of it. Yeah, it's incredible. Yeah, it's I've, an awesome thing, man. I've done that around, like around my house as well, to try to figure out like who owns what, and like um, we're looking at new houses right now, trying to yeah. trying to move and stuff. And um, I've been looking at stuff like that, like see, is the person living there right now? Currently, are they renting it, or mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? Like just yeah, trying to figure yeah. out stuff about the property. So you can use Onyx even if you're not. A deer hunter, which yeah. is pretty sweet. Yeah, I've used it. I actually used it the other day when I was fishing. Oh, did you really? Because yeah, I wanted to see there was a cove that I knew was back there, but the sun was going down, and I wanted to mark how far away it was yeah. to that to see if I could get there in time. And so I just did the little line distance tool, and that was pretty sweet. That's sweet, man. Yeah, I, and I love using the tracking so, uh, oh, yeah. part of it too. That's been that's been pretty awesome. Bro, it's been been a blast. But um, so we really like Onyx. Um, we also really like social media, <laughs> That's right. <laughs> which has been, uh, just a, you know, I mean, we, we all, um, at Southern ground, we really are pretty active on social media, post a lot of stuff. I just posted a video of that fishing trip that I was talking about, um, on YouTube and it's on Facebook. So you can check that out at Southern ground hunting, just search us and we'll show up, um, S T H R N hunting on no S T H R N ground hunting. Yeah. Southern Ground Hunting on uh, Instagram, and, and you can see all of our stuff there. But recently, we did a giveaway on Facebook, and that was for some of our our merch. So our hats, t-shirts, hoodies, things like that. And uh, we did a giveaway where we asked people to tell us the best hunting story that they had. And the winner would get to, to get a hat and a shirt of their choice. And I'm going to tell you, dude, I don't know if you got a chance to look at those stories, but there were some good stories on there. Yeah, yeah, dude, and I love a good hunt story, too. I do, too. So So you can't beat a good hunt story. We're actually going to end on this um, because I think it's such a good story. It's so well written. I feel like like Ernest Hemingway wrote this. Yeah. But it's not. It's good. Well written. Way better than I could have wrote it. Oh, dude, me too. Yeah. Um, Somebody actually commented on there, like, this guy needs to write a book. (laughs) (laughs) He's poetic. Um, Some of the words that he used, I I don't use in a normal day. Asking Siri what they mean. Yeah, I was like, uh, this might be wrong. But this guy that wrote this, his name is Bradley Hughes, and he's a big supporter of the podcast, and he's very active on all of our social platforms. And so, Bradley, congratulations. I am honored that you will be wearing our gear, our hat, and our shirt. Um, you guys, if you have not ordered any of our stuff, you need to go check it out at southerngroundhunting.com. On the store, you'll you'll find it there. It's one of the tabs, and you can check out the hats and the shirts and the hoodies and all that cool stuff. Um, but we're going to end on Bradley's story. Let's hear it, man. Let's hear it. Let's cue some dramatic music. There it is. All right, here we go. This is the Untitled Story by Bradley Hughes. It was the first week of November, 
the heart of the seeking and chasing phase, magic time. So I stood up, bow in hand, as soon as I heard the mincing steps of a deer. The sleek head of a doe emerged, her forehead and eyelashes dusted by snowflakes. She shook her coat clean and looked down her back trail as I heard heavier, shuffling steps and spotted the chocolate antlers right under my stand. The doe was still staring behind me, and when I followed her gaze, I saw three more bucks walking into bow range. A forkhorn, a small six-point, and a tall tine ten, with a white rack and a sorrel face. The chocolate-horned buck instantly laid his ears back, bristled and stiff-legged, walking towards the ten-point. Most fights, man, dog, or deer, start with some preliminary bluster. Not this one. The chocolate horn lowered his head and crashed into the antlers of his rival so hard it sounded like a two-by-four cracked against a telephone pole. The impact drove the white rack buck back, his hoofs scrabbling over the snow-dusted oak leaves. With a groan, he dug his hind feet in and pushed back. For nearly ten minutes, just twenty yards from me, the buck smashed antlers, pushing with a force that would roll a small car. Twice they stood in a seeming stalemate their flanks exposed and heaving, and it occurred to me that I could slip an arrow into one of them, but each time the bodies quickly shifted and the opportunity vanished. Almost relieved, I let the show unfold. Physics won the day. Although the white rack tin seemed stronger, each time he'd shove the chocolate horned deer, he would slide his legs back slightly more uphill until he had the advantage. Finally, he drove hard downhill, twisted his head, and flipped the tin pointer onto its side. Once, twice, three times Chocolate Horns plunged his tines into the exposed ribs. Miraculously, the white rack buck popped to his feet, then whirled to flee. Chocolate stabbed him once more in the hams and chased him out of the sight. The woods fell silent. The doe, the reason for the fight, wriggled nervously into some brush. The two smaller bucks looked briefly at each other and then followed her up the long, tangled hillside. The Untold Hunting Story by Bradley Hughes.